0: you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, we'll answer a listener question about how COVID PCR tests work. You'll also learn about how math can help you with career and relationship decisions with help from author David Sumpter, and how some dogs have natural talent. Let's satisfy some curiosity. We got a message from Lydia in the city of Marshfield, who writes... I work in a hospital lab and I do COVID tests all day. I'd really like you to explain to listeners about PCR and how it's used for COVID tests. Great suggestion, Lydia. It turns out that PCR is downright futuristic. And we're really fortunate to have this amazing biotechnology at our disposal during a global pandemic. PCR stands for polymerase chain reaction. And it's one of two types of tests we have for active COVID screening. It's also the most accurate test we have. But it's not new. Scientists have been using PCR to detect different kinds of DNA since 1983. PCR basically works by making copies of the DNA you're looking for so that if it's there, you can detect it. But there's a problem. Viruses don't have DNA. They have RNA, which is a single strand to DNA's double strand. Never fear! PCR tests for COVID just convert that RNA into DNA. So here's how that works. After you get your COVID swab at the clinic, it's sent to a lab where it's processed so that all you have left is the RNA. That RNA is mixed with a few other ingredients. That includes enzymes that are designed to translate RNA into DNA and to put DNA together, a strand of DNA called a primer that tells the enzyme where to start building, some building materials in the form of nucleotides, and strands of DNA called probes that glow when they detect DNA that matches their own. First, that translating enzyme reads the viral RNA and creates a matching strand of DNA to pair it with, then destroys the RNA and pairs the new DNA strand with a second strand. The result is a double strand of DNA with the same genetic information as the original RNA. But we're not done. Then those two strands are separated using heat. Remember that primer that tells the enzyme where to start building? Well, it latches on to the correct spot on each strand, and the building enzyme gets to work creating a second strand on each original strand. Boom! One strand of DNA turns into two. Then it does it again and again and again until you have a boatload of identical DNA. The whole time, glowing probes are sticking to the pieces of DNA that match the viral RNA. If there was viral RNA in your swab, PCR will amplify it so it can be detected, and you'll get a positive result. But if there wasn't any viral RNA in your swab, then no copies will be made and nothing will be detected, and you'll get a negative result. Thanks for your question, Lydia. If you have a question, send it in to curiosity at discovery.com or leave a voicemail at 312-596-5208.
0: Yesterday, David Sumter told us how we can use math to get more out of our apps and keep our apps from getting more out of us. Well, today we're getting a little more personal by learning the equations that can help us decide to quit a job or end a relationship. David Sumter is a professor of applied mathematics at the University of Uppsala in Sweden and the author of multiple books, including his latest, The Ten Equations That Rule the World and How You Can Use Them Too. David says the equation you need for a big life decision is a little different than the one for deciding what to watch on TV.
2: I use the confidence equation, which basically is a star system. So you give zero to five star on every day. That you have, and I worked out how many days of data you need to collect before you should sort of make a big decision and break on a on a relationship. So uh, I, I I tell a little story about I, I think there's there's two people in the story. One of them who's thinking of quitting their job, another one who's thinking of quitting their relationship, and they use the stars in order to rank every day, and then eventually they what they have to know because it's you might have a one star day, but you don't want to just throw away your whole job because you've had a one star day you might be you know you might end up talking to a mathematician the first thing you do in the morning but you don't (laughs) want to throw away your job because you've had a one star day because the next day might be a five star you might have some sort of exciting biologist the next day and so there might be a five star day there and what you do is you build up a confidence interval based on the stars that you're getting and you make your decision on the basis of that.
0: Well, wow. every answer you've given is five stars, so I would call this <laughs> oh, a,
2: that's very a pretty great
0: conversation so far. <laughs> is there a danger in quantifying things like relationships? Do you, mm. Is there a way to take that too far? Because Sometimes doesn't intuition win
2: out or do you think almost everything can be broken down like this? Uh, in the book, I describe how as a mathematician – what you do is you break the world down into three things, and I call them the model. That's the type of equations we're talking about That here, the mathematical model. There's the assumptions you make when you've created that model. Sometimes those assumptions are wrong, but you just make them in order to create the model. And then there's nonsense, and that's just all of the other stuff that's out there. And so we often break down the world in that way. And nonsense sounds kind of negative, but often when we say nonsense, what we mean is it's non sensical things, so th- things that we can't measure with our sense data, a little bit like intuition and our ideas that we have inside us, they don't necessarily come from the sense data we collect. And they can be extremely valuable to us, you know? I mean, loving somebody is essentially nonsense, you know, there's, there's nonsensical data. It's extremely important to us. And so we can break down the world in that way that we can say, okay, we accept this. In, in our personal lives, there's a lot of nonsense, But in certain situations, we can actually use the model and the assumptions to break it down and and come to a, a much more solid conclusion about various things.
0: Not everything comes down to a mathematical equation, but more things do than you'd think. Again, that was David Sumter, a professor of applied mathematics and author of The Ten Equations That Rule the World and How You Can Use Them Too.
1: You can find a link to pick it up in the show notes. Everyone thinks their child is special, but there are always a few that are truly gifted, like Mozart or Simone Biles. And dog parents? We now know this applies to your fur babies, too. Scientists discovered that some dogs have natural talent. Hungarian researchers put 34 dogs through an intensive three-month training program aimed at teaching them to identify at least two toys by name alone. Every day, the owners played with their dogs while repeatedly stating the name of the toy. The human-canine pairs also worked on this skill with a dog trainer once a week. Then, every month, the dogs demonstrated their word-based fetching skills by retrieving the correct toy from a separate room when prompted by their owner. The research team's initial hypothesis basically came down to the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. They predicted that puppies would pick up toy names faster since their brains were more malleable. But that's not what happened. The majority of dogs, no matter their age, didn't show any learning. But there was one dog that stood out from the pack, a Border Collie named Oliva. She entered the study without any toy names under her belt, and by the end of two months, she had learned a whopping 21 new toy names. She sadly died before the study was completed. Researchers also put out a call for gifted dogs on social media and found six that could demonstrate a knowledge of toy names. Each of these dogs also happened to be border collies and entered the study with more than a dozen toy names in their vocabulary. The owners said their dogs naturally learned more toy names through unstructured play. Throughout the study's three-month testing period, The gifted dogs learned between 11 and 37 new toy names. So was their breed the key to their success? Scientists say no. Though Border Collies have a reputation as the brainiacs of the dog world, there were 18 other Border Collies in the study that learned nothing at all. Researchers likened the word-learning dogs to musicians with perfect pitch. An extremely small group of individuals are just born with that potential and no amount of practice or training would put the rest of us on their level. So even if your dog doesn't possess this special skill, it can still put a smile on your face. And that's a talent all its own.
0: Before we recap what we learned today, let's do a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. What's the story, Ashley? I don't get it. It's the wishbone theme.
1: Oh, I watched that show a lot. I can't believe I didn't get that.
0: Well, I can't believe I'm that bad of a singer. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) that You didn't get that.
1: Oh, well. I think I don't remember the theme song. Anyway, next week, you'll learn about why buying one new thing makes you want to buy more new things. Why electric cars may be the future, but they're also the distant past. The surprising amount of work that goes into preparing dinosaur fossils for museums. A brainless organism that can do things we usually associate with thinking and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today.
0: Well, we learned that PCR is one of two tests we have for active COVID screening, and it's the most accurate. It basically works by translating the viral RNA into DNA, then making copies of that DNA over and over and over so that it's detectable. If it's detected, you've got a positive test result. And if it's not detected, That means that there was probably never any viral RNA to begin with, and you get a negative test result. There's a lot more to learn about PCR if you're curious, so I definitely suggest checking out the links in the show notes for more. But hopefully this gives you a little better understanding.
1: Yeah, we've mentioned a few times that PCR is one of two tests that we use to detect an active COVID infection. The other one is an antigen test. That's the really rapid test that you can take. And that detects proteins on the outside of a virus. It's less accurate. And usually when you get a negative antigen test result, you still need to use PCR to confirm that negative test. So antigen tests are fast, but less accurate. PCR tests take longer, but are much more accurate.
0: I feel like there's always more to learn about everything going on right now. So I hope this was a helpful primer on at least the tests. Because there's a lot of things that we either don't know for sure or our understanding is evolving. But, like, these are tests that we use and we know how they work. So, you know, that's why we talked about it.
1: Yeah. And even though we are this far into the pandemic, it is still really important to be tested for COVID. It's the only way that we really know whether we're spreading it because you could be asymptomatic. I mean, there are still a lot of people who have never been tested for COVID. And it's a good idea to get tested. Yeah. Yeah. And we learned that math can help you with career and relationship decisions, according to David Sumter. He says you can use the confidence equation to basically just give a one to five star rating for every day you have in a job or in a relationship or doing another activity. Then you just look back and figure out your confidence interval based on those stars to make your decisions. And if you want to know the exact formulas, you're just going to have to pick up David Sumter's book. Just remember that you can't break everything down. There's a lot of nonsense in life or data that doesn't neatly fit into your equations. And that's okay too. Keeps life exciting. I have definitely done this in a relationship before. Like, I started noticing it going downhill and noticing my mood, like going downhill and feeling not that great about it and being like, hmm, I wonder if this is just a fleeting feeling or if this is going to continue The only way that I can know is by keeping a record. And so I didn't do like a five star scale. I basically just would write down every date where I felt like breaking up with a person. And then once there were enough dates, I was like, yeah, this is probably the right thing to do. And I did.
0: Good call. And we also learned that just like perfect pitch in humans, learning toy names is something that certain gifted dogs can do and most just can't. When researchers spent three months training thirty-four dogs to identify at least two toys by name, most of them couldn't, but one talented dog learned the name of twenty-one different toys, which suggests that some dogs have talent, just like humans. Well, I feel like we all know that from that dog that could play basketball really well.
1: That's fiction, Cody. What? Airbud is fiction. It, what? He's not real. I'm
0: gonna have to rethink my
1: life. <laughs> I think maybe the most famous border collie is, of course. Oh, wait, no. Lassie's not a border collie. She's just a regular collie. Is she? Yeah. Border collies are black and white.
0: Well, Lassie was black and white.
1: No. Oh, come on. Not like that.
0: (laughs) That was awesome. Oh, that was so good. That was so good. I'm so proud of myself for that. According to Wikipedia, Lassie is a fictional female rough collie dog.
1: Rough collie.
0: Today I learned that rough collie is a thing that exists apparently.
1: Well, she was also fictional. We're really nailing these real life talented dogs. I know a real life dog that's talented. The dog from the Instagram account Hunger for Words with the number four. That's the dog whose owner is a speech pathologist and has trained it to Use buttons that say words to communicate. It's really awesome. You should totally check out the Instagram page. And Allie Ward of Ologies interviewed her, and that's a great episode, too. That dog's name is Stella. Oh
0: right, Maybe I'll go on Instagram and fetch a couple photos.
1: There you go. The writer for today's last story was Steffi Drucker.
0: Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer and audio editor on today's episode. Our
1: producer and lead audio editor
0: is Cody Goff.
1: Have a great weekend
0: and give us a five-star review. I know you have that talent. Then join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.